You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Live. It is Tuesday, not October 11th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Feel the energy. There's a big weekend ahead, a huge weekend, maybe the biggest Saturday of the year, and someone somewhere will be stuck at a wedding this Saturday. I speak for all of us, hopefully, when I say couldn't be us. We are jam-packed. We are high atop a conflicted downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Conflicted because which channel do you choose this Saturday? We got full week seven picks, previews, predictions. We got a new JP poll coming tonight. It will leave them talking. And by them, I mean pretty much everyone who doesn't understand what a power rating is. Because, I mean, we have got an absurd top four, including a new number one coming at you this week. I have got added best bets. We're going to put a total on the Ramen Noodle Express, which is all of a sudden chugging along at a red hot rate. And uh, listen, if you need to sell someone on how big this Saturday is, producer Jesse who heads up stats and info for us, gave me uh, one of these patented orange post-its. I'm going to drop a stat for you before we even get started tonight. This is the second time in college football history we will have three matchups featuring 5-0 and or better teams on the same day. And they've been playing this game for a long time. They're watching this in Loosedale, Mississippi. They're watching this in Norfolk, Virginia. Minot, North Dakota. Have we ever heard from Minot? I don't think, but we have now. And Jackson, Tennessee. This is me figuratively, just bear crawling my way to the finish line. Woke up at 3.30 this morning to fly back from Savannah, but it was worth it. Spoke at the Savannah Quarterback Club last night, made tons of new friends, ate tons of unique and yummy foods, and had a really good time. I enjoy speaking to you on the record, but if there's one thing I enjoy more than speaking on the record, it's speaking off the record, which you get to do at most quarterback club events. So thank you and salute to all of our friends down in Savannah. My first time there. I endorse the city wholeheartedly. I definitely will be back. Let's dive in to several week seven predictions that we have to get to tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop all my papers. That's, that's terrible, actually. What a bad sound effect. There we go. Big weekend ahead. The Every Given Saturday Tour is headed to Knoxville, Tennessee this Saturday. Second time we've been there this year. Do we like to double dip? Typically, no. Is it necessary sometimes? Absolutely. And when you've got the third Saturday in October finally living up to its reputation for the first time, kind of in this millennium, we got to be there. And we will be there. It's the 3.30 Eastern time kickoff on CBS. You cannot write the history of SEC football without including a healthy chapter on the third Saturday in October rivalry. I already explained my feelings on this to you the other night. Go ask Peepaw to explain his feelings to you because he's lived through this being the biggest rivalry in the SEC. It hasn't been in your lifetime, if you're 23, 33, but it has been in certain lifetimes. Many of you just don't know yet, but that's okay. 
in about 96 hours, you will know. Make sure you watch this game. Quarterback questions, paramount. I've got you an update on Bryce Young. I'm about to get to it in just a second. Two of the top five offenses in the country, at least statistically, will be on the field this Saturday. There was once upon a time that Collins' team there in Knoxville was led by one Lane Kiffin, and they dropped a game to Bama 12-10 to in Tuscaloosa. Few truths, many uncertainties this Saturday. I think we're going over 22 total points. So that's our first best bet. We love the over at 22 and a half. I think out of all these big games we've got this weekend, to me, this one's the most unpredictable. None of them are really predictable. This game reeks of unpredictability because of a couple of things that you just can't predict. No model. The best model out there in the world cannot predict turnovers. And I want you to think about last week, everybody watched Bama hosting A&M. Everybody watched A&M take Alabama right down to the wire. And I've seen some, what I consider to be pretty false and inflammatory statements about Alabama's defense after that game. And it's, ooh, A&M threw the ball all over, all over Alabama. Well, they really didn't. But what happened was, Nick Saban talked about this Monday, when you were coming off turnovers, when Bama's defense, in other words, had sudden change and they were back out on the field, that's when A&M burned them, which counts the same as a standard drive. But my point is, if you have that much correlation between your subpar defensive production and drives immediately following turnovers, there's something to be said there. And if you tell me Bama's going to be clean in the turnover department Saturday, I feel a lot better about them defensively. Here's the problem. If you do go on the road and you do suffer turnovers, and you did last week even at home, there's no team in the world better equipped to take advantage of it than Tennessee. They're even more equipped than Texas A&M. The second thing is, We've seen it a number of times now, including that Texas game earlier this year, where penalties bit Alabama bad on the road. This will be the toughest environment anyone on that roster has ever played in. I feel pretty confident in saying that, even if they play in the SEC West and even if they're Bama. I don't think any place they've played will match the energy that you'll see in Neyland Stadium Saturday. So if you could predict those things for me, penalty yardage and whatnot, especially on third downs, uh, if you could predict turnovers, I think we could give ourselves an edge here. You can't predict those things, so it's anyone's guess as to which way this goes. Here's what I got for you on Bryce Young. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat on this. There's a lot being said about the health status of Bryce Young right now that is not true. Uh, there is a lot floating around on various message boards about how he's good to go, 100%, ready to go Saturday, no problem throwing. That stuff's not true. It's not true at all. I don't have nearly the confidence in the status of Bryce Young right now that a lot of other people apparently do. It's just this foregone conclusion in the college football ecosystem, Bryce Young's going to play Saturday. If I had a dollar and I had to bet whether we see Bryce Young Saturday, I'd probably take like 55 or 60 of those cents, I guess, and I would bet it on Bryce Young. I do not assume we're getting anything close to a 100% Bryce Young Saturday. So that's where I fall on that. Let me also tell you something else. You saw Jalen Milrow last Saturday. You may very well see him again this Saturday. You did not see Ty Simpson last Saturday. And Ty Simpson's a true freshman quarterback for Alabama. He's a five-star kid. He's from the state of Tennessee. Would not shock me if you saw Ty Simpson Saturday as well. So just some things to keep in mind. The quarterback situation is not nearly as decided or nearly as clean-cut as a lot of the internet would lead you to believe. So what do we assume? I have no clue. For the sake of this preview video, I'm going to tell you, if they don't have Bryce ready to go, I do not think Alabama's beaten Tennessee Saturday. So for the sake of this preview video, we are going to assume we get some form 
of Bryce Young. And then we're going to work off of that. Okay. If Tennessee does not have to account for the power, well, let me rephrase. Okay. I think it's a lot about balance. So whether you get 60, 70, 80, whatever percentage of Bryce Young, I never really understood what that meant uh, because I don't know how you quantifiably break that down into performance. But if we get Bryce Young Saturday, but Tennessee does not have to respect the illusion of balance, then it doesn't really matter that we've got Bryce Young on the field Saturday. And what I mean by that is there's a very sneaky statistic that could matter a whole heck of a lot this Saturday. And it's that Tennessee has the seventh best run defense in college football right now. I don't think a lot of people are aware of that. Now, here's where that may not matter as much. Alabama runs the rock as well as anyone in the country, but they will best thrive running the ball if Tennessee has to respect offensive balance. I don't mean running it 30 times and throwing it 30 times. I don't mean 300 passing yards, 300 rushing yards. What I do mean is the ability to convince them you're able to throw the ball on any down. That's always been the way we on this show define offensive balance. And if we do get Bryce Young and we get in the game and he's made some throws that you're accustomed to seeing Bryce Young make, okay, then it's game on. Bama can hang 50 on Tennessee if they're able to do that because their offense is that good if they do possess that balance. And Tennessee is that susceptible on the back end if they're able to possess that balance. But if they don't have that ability then you quickly, I'm not going to say you throw the total crowbar in the bicycle spokes. Bama can still score, uh, but it will be greatly off the pace that you would expect if you had a healthy Bryce Young. So that's the first thing that I'm watching, even if we get him Saturday. That's the first thing I'm watching. The second thing that you need to understand, because it sounds like I'm a little doom and gloomy with Alabama right now. No, I'm being realistic with him. But on the flip side of this coin, there's a scenario where Bama just runs away with this game, and here's how it would happen. Firstly at least in my humble opinion, you do need to have Bryce Young for that to happen. Uh, the second thing is everything we know about Tennessee, all the numbers that have been baked into any projections and every play you've seen this year and final score that's baked into your mind that formulates your opinion on Tennessee, you know what it's all included? It's included interception-free football from Hendon Hooker. And that's great. That is absolutely what you want to dial up. The problem there is sometimes in college football seasons, when you get these teams, USC is one of them too. When you get these teams, they get further and further into the season and all of their results are predicated on turnover-free football, there comes that week. You know what that week is. Normally that week's when you have to face the kind of pass rush Alabama's going to bring at you and they just disrupt. They make you go a little bit faster to avoid it and that in and of itself is affecting the quarterback. Bama had close to 20 quarterback hurries last week and I assume that they will be able to do the same sorts of things this Saturday if we see turnovers all of a sudden become the issue they haven't been all year, and that were to coincide with Alabama having that offensive balance, Alabama could totally run away from Tennessee. There is a result in the bag out of the 100 simulations of this game that sees Alabama do that because they're able to couple the defensive performance we saw the other night and the capability to force turnovers and hurry the quarterback with a good offensive performance in their own right that could happen. We're not here to play what could happen. We do these videos on what's most likely to happen. So I'm thinking back earlier this year, and there's not anything that we're going to see Saturday necessarily that we can't envision. We've seen Bama go on the road already this year, and we've seen him struggle, albeit in a win, but we've seen him struggle at Texas. So we've seen him in these kind of environments before. We've seen Alabama in three different games already this year where it's a one possession affair in the fourth quarter. 
That was the case at Texas. That was the case at Arkansas before they pulled away. And it was the case last week. So there is precedent for Bama being pushed well into the fourth quarter. They hadn't lost yet, but we've seen it. Uh, it's, I think, like I said before, clearly going to be, to me, the most hostile environment they've been in this year. And I was at that Texas game. I don't think anything's going to match what Tennessee folks throw at them Saturday. And thirdly, we've seen in the past what it usually takes to beat them. And what it usually takes to beat them is not running the ball. What it takes to beat them is precision passing. They're going to play one team this year more equipped than anyone else to pull that off. And that's the team they're playing this Saturday. So I want to take a look at what the model thinks. And I'm going to remind you what the current Vegas number is. I was going back and forth with Budrick Elliott today. And we were kind of arguing back and forth about what we think about this number. Tennessee is a seven and a half point dog right now. So Bama minus seven and a half is the number. Now there are two schools of thought out there. One school of thought is Vegas would never give you seven and a half points if they thought Jalen Milrow was playing. So this must be accounting for them knowing Bryce Young's playing. I can't state this any clearer for you guys. And Bud didn't say that. I'm saying some people are saying this. Odds makers have no clue who's playing quarterback for Alabama Saturday. I know that because they don't know who's playing quarterback for them. I know it's fun when you're sitting around with your buddies to look at a number on a screen and say, Vegas must know something. And it sort of mythologically builds up what odds makers do. They don't know. They don't, they're smart in the number they hang. They don't know who's starting at quarterback, okay? So you can decipher exactly that much from that number. My opinion is they've split the difference, and that thing would crater to three or maybe less if Milrow was announced as a starter, and I think it would get jacked up to about 10 or 11 if Bryce were announced as a starter. That's where I think we're going. So there is very little chance that that seven and a half is on the board this Saturday, and the reason I'm looking over here is because that's where my huge monitor is. Colin puts one right in front of me, but for some reason I irresponsibly look over there. That's where I think we are right now. So the model is kind of doing the same thing. Only the model playing the difference is a little bit lower than the Vegas number. We've got Bama minus five. I think the time just feels right, Tennessee. I think the environment feels right. I don't, I hesitate to even put it this way. When Alabama won last week, it removed this game as being a must win for anyone. And so it doesn't change the effort. What I'm saying is when I look at the game, I think Tennessee's going to cover I think Tennessee's going to end up winning outright, regardless of what happens at quarterback. I think they're going to win outright. I think they're peaking at the right time. They're playing the best ball. They played under Heupel. They're clearly playing their best ball this year. Alabama is not. And I don't think that they're poised to do that this Saturday. As I make that prediction, let me reiterate what I told you Sunday night. There is coming a time, I think, down the road, a few weeks, where Bama does end up playing their best ball. When that happens, I think they'll be the best team in the country. I don't think they're the best team in the country right now. I don't think they'll be the best team come Saturday evening because I think that they will go down. So I'm going to take Tennessee to win the game. If I'm right, we may not get out of Knoxville until like Monday morning. Also, if I'm right, that'll be the first time in 16 years, first time since 2006 that Tennessee will have won. Did they, Jesse, could you do me a favor and check when the first iPhone came out? That was before, that George W. Bush was the president in 2006. There's so much that's changed since 2006. So, I mean, I didn't even know Jesse and Colin in 2006. That's how long ago that was. 2007 was the first iPhone. Okay, so Alabama's streak over Tennessee has run the length of the iPhone. And by the way, they just came out with the iPhone 14. 
That's where we are in this rivalry right now. And kids, that's why you don't know a whole heck of a lot about this rivalry. I think it'll change Saturday. Okay, let me take a sip from the chalice. What color do we have tonight? I don't know what color this is necessarily. Maybe a peach, but it is not peach flavored. I can assure you of that. But look, I've been awake for like 20 hours at this point. So we've got to keep ourselves awake by any means necessary on the back end of the day. I'm excited, as I always am this time of year, because we're getting set to go on the road. Big game in Knoxville. We've got Academy Sports and Outdoors powering our trip to and from Knoxville. And I will be loaded down with Academy gift cards again, as usual. They are our exclusive provider. We are presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors. And also, candidly, if I could suggest it to you, I think they should be your exclusive partner. Now, I don't think you need a sales department. You don't need to call Nick up like I do and say, hey, let's get on the horn with Alex and the folks over at Academy. Let's strike ourselves a new deal. All you have to do is go in the store. Once you're in there, I don't have to sell you anymore. I mean, I know a lot of you have gone there for the first time because you learned about Academy on this show. Once you go in there, the sales job's done because you see the, the assortment of things that they have. I mean, wall to wall, they got all sorts of different essentials that you need in life. Uh, you can go to academy.com, though. You don't even really have to go in the store. If you just want to hit them up online, academy.com, your one-stop shop. If you live like most of us do, for most everything that you need in life. I mean, you can get grilling equipment in there. You can get a pair of shorts in there. You can get a baseball bat in there. It's great. It is wonderful. It even, they got that new store smell, even the stores that have been around for a long time. Everything you could ever want in life, you can find at Academy Sports and Outdoors. Okay, there is a... Just another massive game this Saturday. Colin, here's a better endpoint for you. Ann Arbor, Michigan. High noon Eastern time. Big noon kickoff on Fox. And boy, it is a big one. Fox has the Penn State at Michigan game. This is going to kick off your day. Some of you will be watching this before it's even noon. It's 11 a.m. kickoff in the central time zone. And you know there's a lot of chirping around this building. There's a lot of chirping about Penn State pulling the outright upset here. They're about a touchdown underdog, depending on where you look. Most places, this line's at seven right now. And the chirping is understood. Penn State's a good team. Hey, I saw what they did to Auburn. They turned Auburn inside out in every which way but Sunday when we saw them down at Auburn. Really good team. We've had them highly rated in the JP poll all year. But listen, for them to pull this upset, I just need to remind you before we get into the preview how historic that would be. Penn State according to Stats and Info, has lost 13 straight road games versus top five teams. You want to know when the last time was they went on the road against the top five team and won? It was 1994, and it was against Michigan. Baseball was on strike that year, and that is the last year that Penn State got a win this big on the road. Not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying before you nonchalantly or flippantly choose your wording, just throw out those predictions. Understand. This would be a big deal, a very big deal. Also, these teams were in the same division. So you're jockeying for position within the division there. That's tough to say, by the way. I would never try that again. I got a gross, gross stat. Sometimes we do padlock stats on the show. No, it is gross stat Tuesday. And here's the grossness of the stat. Michigan's played six teams. It's a great stat, but it's not gross so far. That's just a fact. Here's the gross part. Out of the half dozen teams Michigan has played, Five of them are 98th or worse in scoring offense. And if that's not bad enough for you, four of them are 121st or worst in scoring offense. Now, when I had this presented to me today, I took the tact that a Michigan fan should take. 
And I looked across the table and I said, yeah, that's because all of them have played us. When you got a game against us baked into your statistical output, of course you're going to be bad. True, not that bad, friends. You got Colorado State and Hawaii and UConn lined up there. Iowa, Indiana, it's just tomato can after tomato can offensively. And you got Maryland thrown in there. And that game was 34 to 27. So there are a couple of irresistible force meeting immovable object type statistical profiles in this game. And you know how much I love WrestleMania 3. So uh, that was Hogan Andre, for those of you unfamiliar. So J.J. McCarthy, you know he leads FBS. He leads all of college football in completion percentage. Good for J.J. McCarthy. Dude's throwing it around at a 78.3% completion percentage rate. That's phenomenal. You can win all day with that. That's the irresistible force. What's the immovable object? Well, what has Penn State done defensively? Okay, it's all about matchups, right? Styles make fights. Penn State defense holding opposing quarterbacks to 49.6% completion percentage. Obviously, as Meemaw would tell you, and I would reiterate, that means something has to give Saturday. Now, sometimes it's just you split the difference. Sometimes you find out that someone's stats have been inflated off of inferior competition. Sometimes you just get a great football game. That's the first little statistical profile that I wanted to bring to your attention. Here are two other keys that I'm watching in this game that I think will decide it. Penn State running the ball. Now, we say that all the time, and I want to congratulate Penn State so far. They are 33rd. They got the 33rd best rushing offense in the country now. That may not sound special to you if you've watched Penn State attempt to run the ball over the past few years. That is as night and day as it gets. They have been horrible trying to run the ball. And it's not that they weren't crying. It's not that they weren't committed to it. They were just bad at it. And so this year, nine run plays already of 20 yards or more. So they've had the explosivity in their run game. Uh, like I said, they're top 35 in just total rushing statistics. But also, here's another one of those counterpoints. As good as they've been, or as improved as they've been on the ground, Michigan defensively, sixth best run defense in college football. I wouldn't call Penn State an irresistible force. I would call them a greatly improved force. There's the immovable object over there. So we got two statistical profiles that absolutely have gone into making these teams what they are so far this year, and you got the perfect counterpoint across the ball. Thirdly, and this is one that even Michigan fans are talking about, pass rush. Is it going to show up? It did last year. We haven't really needed it so far this year to win a game. Is it going to show up for us if we need it? I was looking at some third down numbers. Third down's always huge in these games, or it usually is at least. That Michigan pass rush, when you get Penn State into those third downs, and this is not, this is not an offense that lives off the explosive play. They've got to live off third down conversion rate, especially in a game like this. I think they'll have to. Last year, that matchup would be decidedly anti-Penn State because you had the pass rush specialist over on the Michigan side. This year, it kind of remains to be seen. If you don't have the ability to affect Sean Clifford enough, Penn State could put up like a 65 or 70% third down completion percentage Saturday on you, and that could be the difference in the game. Now, as much as I'm talking about Uncle Sean being able to move the sticks on third down through the air, here's an important point. And it sounds insulting, but it's just reality. When Sean Clifford, Penn State quarterback, when Sean Clifford throws fewer than 29 passes, Penn State is 17 and 1. You want to know what happens when he throws it 35 times or more? He is 1 and 5. Excuse me, they are 1 and 5. 
So that's a Jesse padlock stat for you. Producer Jesse, Penn State Jesse, he wants as few throws as necessary from Sean Clifford in the offense there. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. You see the Vegas number. It's Michigan minus seven. I've got, um, I've got some conflict in my heart about this one because as much as we got Michigan minus seven there, the model likes Michigan even more. We've been high on Michigan for a while. That's why the JP poll has had them rated top five for quite a while. The model has Michigan minus eight. So what am I to do? Because I have felt all week, and I still feel, that the number's just, just a smidge too high. I think it's just a little bit too luxurious to be given that many points to Penn State, especially one I've already seen go on the road, albeit against inferior competition in Auburn, but one I saw go on the road and handle inferior competition. The current odds to win the Big Ten Championship, Ohio State, a runaway favorite, and then it's Michigan, and then it's Penn State. And this game, obviously, will greatly reshuffle the odds that we're looking at on our screen right now. I think Michigan's going to win. I think Penn State's going to cover. If you're forcing me to take a side on this, I think it's going to be a great four-quarter game. So give me Michigan to win. Give me Penn State to cover. It should be noted, because I told him, you're not just going to tell me this in private. You tell me your prediction, Jesse. I'm putting it on the record. Producer Jesse has Penn State winning outright and winning by double digits. Your podcast didn't die. I just wanted to give a little dramatic pause for effect. Because if I cut that video and Michigan ends up scalding them Saturday, that's what I'm posting on Twitter. Not my pick. I didn't lose. It's Jesse that will lose. It's all of us that will win. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. JP Poll is next up. At least I think it is. Let me make sure I didn't reshuffle my rundown. Yes, yes, it's that time. You notice we've got a streak going on the show, Colin. Every time I'm about to do the JP poll, my hand touches my face in some way. Is it a defense mechanism? Absolutely it is. Because I know what I'm about to show you. And I know that I've got this thing scheduled to tweet out in about 15 minutes, which is before we go off the air tonight. And I know what's going to happen. And at this point, it's not my fault. It's everyone else's fault who has not read the rules on this thing. JP poll, our internal power ratings. For those of you who are new around here, it's very simple. Here's a five-second explainer. We have our own proprietary model, and all we care about in our own internal power rating system is who that model would favor over who. And it just stacks teams in that order. And it doesn't care about wins and losses, nothing else. It just stacks teams in the order of favorability on a neutral field. So this is not going to look like the AP poll, nor should it. And if I were an AP voter, I would not vote in this order. So with that in mind, a little more than five seconds. With that in mind, let's dive in. 25 through 21, we have several new arrivals. People have been screaming at me 
Where's Purdue? There they are. They're number 25. Where's Wake Forest? There they are. Number 24. Texas A&M lost Saturday, and yet they jumped up uh, because, well, that's what happens when you play one of the top teams in the country to the wire in their own building, even against their backup quarterback. So A&M's there hovering around 23. What does that mean? It means we would favor them against Wake Forest on a neutral field. Wish we could have seen it in the bowl game, especially those of you in the uh, Carolinas wish you could have seen that. Minnesota's at 22. They were unrated last week, and I don't think they even played, so that just means shuffling happened elsewhere. NC State is at 21. Okay, top 20 time. Florida State is at 20, and they lost last week. And I don't have time to dive into this. I'm not necessarily agreeing with the model. Uh, you know, if, if I were doing the JP rankings instead of power ratings, I may not have FSU that high, but the computer does. And it's been pretty good about FSU games. We are going to predict FSU Clemson later in the show. UCLA. Model's been a little slow to react on the Bruins. Got them 19 now. Baylor's at 18. Notre Dame sneaking around at 17. They've quietly been playing some good football. Kansas State at 16. A lot of that's kind of the same as you saw last week. We enter the top 15. Oregon playing really good football at number 15. And that's with that Georgia splattering baked in there. I mean, imagine if they just didn't open with Georgia and we didn't have that data set in the overall analog for Oregon. TCU, 14, unchanged. Ole Miss, 13, unchanged. Penn State dropped a few spots. Not a big deal. Uh, they're at 12. That means fractions of a point. Oklahoma State's at 11. Fractions of a point. The top 10. Here we go. There is movement. There is movement, kids. Utah is still a top 10 team according to the model, and they've got two losses. They host USC. USC's number eight, by the way. So we get number eight versus number 10 setting up for this Saturday. In between them is the most underrated team in America, and that continues to be Mississippi State. We've had them top 15 all year. Now we got them top 10, and Mississippi State's sitting there at number nine. They go to Kentucky this weekend. They are favored by a touchdown at Kentucky, and that's that. Uh, number seven is Michigan. You know, I don't like that, and I know what it looks like. It looks like they fell three spots. Really, it's, I think, I think the computer dropped them like half a point. And it's because they did not put away Indiana. I told you, I thought the Mike Hart deal had a little something to do with that final score and, and the level they played at. And I know the computer doesn't know that. So I'll, you know what? I'll handle this privately with the computer later. Michigan's at seven. Tennessee is at six. Check out the top five. Can you imagine what's about to be said about this? Clemson is number five. The University of Texas is now power rated as our number four team. What does that mean to have a two-loss team top four kids? Well, the losses mean nothing. It just means the current Texas team, as we see them, we would like against anyone other than Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. And by like, I mean the computer would favor them on a neutral field. If Texas played Clemson tomorrow, I'd pick Clemson. The computer would not. And that's the difference between the computer and I. The computer's a little bit better than me, too, so make of that what you will. Georgia's number three, Bama's number two, Ohio State for the first time this year is power rated number one. What are the gaps? This is probably the most attractive part of this segment at this point. It's what you talk about the most. As of today, neutral field, the model would have Ohio State minus one against Alabama. Ohio State minus three and a half against Georgia. Ohio State minus 12 against Texas. Ohio State minus 14 and a half against Michigan and Tennessee. 
Uh, I got Clemson in there somewhere. I think uh, Texas. Yeah, so Ohio State minus 13 against Clemson. So those are the current lines, hypothetically. The gap between number five and number 25 is now 12 and a half points. So we've seen that gap. We've seen that margin grow a little bit. Remember, it was like eight points a few weeks ago. But Ohio State, the new number one. Texas at number four. Now, look, you can scream and yell at me all you want to. That's fine. Um, there are worse things you could do, like not watch the video. So I appreciate you watching. I want to tell you, I just want to encourage you, go look at some of the other rating systems out there. Go look at what Connolly has. Go, go look at the FEI. Go look at some of the more advanced analytical models. You could be shocked to find Texas is right up there in those too. And I was not aware of that until about an hour ago because I went and checked them to see how far off we were. Turns out we're not far off at all. We just get Ted to make a fancy little graphic, so ours takes all the strays, and you know theirs is relatively unscathed. Texas, man. Texas got some big games coming up. Remember, if you will, please, to do me a couple of favors. Those of you who haven't abandoned us at this point, uh, make sure you like the video because we don't even have 500 likes on this video, and we got about 3,000 folks watching. Not a good ratio, if we're being honest with ourselves. And also subscribe to the channel. Those are the only two requests. The show is free of charge, and that's why. Thank you so much. Big game in the Pac-12 this Saturday, and who else to break it down but Pac-12 Pate. Utah hosting USC. This is an 8 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on Big Fox. It's a huge two-week stretch for the Pac-12. Really three weeks, because you had Utah at UCLA last week. Okay. Now this week, we got USC at Utah. And then next week, we got UCLA at Oregon. And those, you know, in some form or fashion, are the four best teams out there right now. So there's this little round robin kind of going on as we speak in the Pac-12 that's deciding the hierarchy. It's not deciding the conference title race quite yet, because remember, they're not doing the division thing out there. They're just doing the two best teams. Is there separation? That's what we can start to ask. Is there a solidly best team in the Pac-12? That loss that Utah had this past Saturday, or Friday, I think it was, kind of turn this game into a do-or-die feel for Utah. Now, statistically, I don't quite know if they're done if they lose this game. I'm talking about the Pac-12 championship picture, but it feels that way. We've had October 15th circled for a while, and this is one of the reasons. Not surprisingly, you've got to look at the quarterback position. Sometimes you can overthink the room. No need to do that. Quarterback position goes a long way in deciding this one. You're seeing more and more teams out on the West Coast start to show zone looks defensively to USC. There's a good reason for that. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback statistically in the Pac-12 against man coverage. He is the worst quarterback statistically in the Pac-12 against zone coverage. Now, you, in your very, very common sense approach and logic-based approach to things, might think, oh, Utah's about to throw a ton of zone at Caleb Williams Saturday, right? Go Utes! They probably won't, because they never do. They didn't last week. They probably won't this week. I'll get to that in just a second. Cam Rising, meanwhile, the Utah quarterback, in this matchup last year, played the best game of his year. 306 total passing yards. He had four total touchdowns. So he lit USC up last year. Of course, it's a totally different USC team this year, but some things to keep in mind. Now, here's the thing. What I just said about Caleb Williams and less desirable results against zone, it just... It bothers me sometimes when something's that clear on paper, and yet you think that you've got your way of doing things, 
and your system and your, and your philosophy and you won't bend it for anything. It's time to bend that a little bit for Utah this Saturday. It's as simple as that to me. Um, you're, you've got to put your team and your players in the best chance, the best position to win. And the best position to do that is maybe dusting off a few pages in that defensive playbook you don't normally use because it may mean that's what it takes to put yourself in the best position to win. You've also got to, at this point, do the obligatory check-in on the USC turnover margin because USC has led the nation, it feels like, all year in turnover margin. And, yep, there they are, still number one in overall turnover margin. And just like I talked about with Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, eventually, doesn't it have to happen? Doesn't there come a week where they're minus two in turnovers? It, does that lead to a loss? Not automatically, but it's a lot more likely than being on the plus side of things. If it's going to happen, doesn't it feel like this is the environment for it to happen in? Desperation, which I think Utah has in plentiful supply, is a very, very powerful motivator. Conversely, USC has not tasted that blood yet. And I know it's always unpopular to talk like that, uh, but then again, how many times have you as a fan watched your team lose and then go on to do great things and said at the end of the year, you know, in retrospect, it's a good thing we lost that game. You know, we, we probably ultimately don't become the finished product that we became if we don't lose and have some adversity along the way. Well, that's fun to say after you lose. No one roots for the loss so that they can gain the, the ed education through adversity. I think Lincoln Riley knows there's probably a little bit of a bubble about this team that will get popped. I mean, USC will get popped somewhere along the way. Uh, doesn't mean they're not a good team. It's just they're probably going to have a loss somewhere on this schedule. The sooner it happens, the better. Again, it sounds like I'm telling you he's rooting for them to lose. No, that's stupid. What I'm saying is I think in, internally they grasp they still have limitations, they still have weaknesses, they still have flaws, even though the record indicates to you they don't. So I think Lincoln Riley and his staff are probably a lot more realistic about where they stand right now uh, than some of the national punditry. You know how rarely I use that word. Uh, if you are into halves in betting, quarters and halves, I want to arm you with the following information. USC is number one in the Pac-12 in second half scoring differential. They are plus 77 in the second half. Utah is number one in the Pac-12 in first half scoring differential. They are plus 80. So if you want to just go ahead and save yourself time and blindly bet Southern Cal second half, Utah first half, you'd be my guest. I don't think it'd be the worst idea in the world. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. The Vegas number currently, Utah. Yes, two loss Utah, favored by three and a half, basically home field advantage. And that is, again, odds makers telling you, if you just shave out the three and a half, those teams are equal on a neutral field. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Well, in rankings world, it doesn't. In power ratings world, it does. The model likes Utah minus five. I agree with the model. I think this is the week that USC goes down. I'm going to take Utah to win. They're the far more desperate team, back against the wall, wounded animal mode, all that stuff. And I think Utah's going to win and cover. The, cur the current odds to win the Pac-12 championship, before we move on, USC plus 180, Oregon plus 190, it's UCLA plus 230, and then Utah, Kind of a, I guess I would say a distant fourth at the moment at plus 600. If they win this game, then I think you have that kind of accordion effect. Right now, stretched out a little bit, it would just compact back in, and you would just, those, those middle two teams are off this week, and then they play each other next week. So over the coming two weeks, starting Saturday into next Saturday, a lot will start to take shape out on the West Coast. Really looking forward to that game.
They're watching us in Marathon, Florida, which I think was featured prominently in the prequel to Silence of the Lambs, which was called Red Dragon. I think that's where Detective Graham lived. Uh, I know you needed that tonight. Fort Worth, Texas is tuned in, as is Springfield, Illinois. Thank you so much wherever you are. Could be the last sip we need tonight. We'll see. Okay. The Big 12 is the most entertaining conference in the country. That's not my opinion. That's just a stone-cold fact. And the biggest game in the Big 12 this weekend is Oklahoma State at TCU. This is a 3.30 kickoff on ABC. The Big 12's on fire. A documentary could already be done at this point, I think, about the conference this year. These two teams are two of the top four highest scoring offenses in FBS. The home team has won and covered the past four matchups here. Both of these teams have been on fire, so it's just it's full go. And this is one that everyone should rightly be looking forward to. TCU just went on the road and beat Kansas. Of course, you've seen Oklahoma State and what they've done all year. Uh, both of them still undefeated. And it's going to be really fun because it's yet another top 10 matchup here. Yet another matchup of at least 5-0 and uh, teams. So we've only, like I said in the beginning of the show, we've only had a precious few of these weekends in the history of college football. You can really feel it starting to click with TCU. And I think that really two weeks ago against Oklahoma, when they just body bagged the Sooners, you obviously felt that. But then they took it on the road, and they followed it up with a win against Kansas. And, you know, I know that there may be some people who look at the last two weeks' performances and say, ooh, that kind of makes them do down this week, right? You could say that. You could absolutely, in betting terminology, you could think that way. But here's where I would counter that if I were making the argument for TCU. This Oklahoma State team, they won a game last week against Texas Tech. Their defense was on the field 104 plays. I take those stats very seriously uh, because it doesn't change your outcome last week, but it definitely has an opportunity to be weighted into the following week. So that's the first thing. You know, would you rather be double due down or would you rather have been on the field 104 plays defensively last week? And the second thing is, Max Duggan's playing the best ball. We've seen him play at quarterback for TCU, and they have finally, it seems like forever we've been asking, finally weaponized. Quentin Johnson. I mean, he had more offensive production last week almost than his entire season so far. That's a Sunday player. That's like a game changer. That's a guy you single-handedly have to account for when you're predicting games. And we hadn't said that about TCU in a little while, but we're saying it again now. I'm seeing a whole lot of folks, by the way, compare that Oklahoma State-Baylor game a couple of weeks ago to this one, Oklahoma State at TCU. And I, I think it's just out of laziness. True. You have Oklahoma State on the road like they did a couple of weeks ago. True, they're going to play a team in Texas like they did a couple of weeks ago. But if you really want to carry that through, by the way, to the logical conclusion, let's talk it through, shall we? Because a lot of people are saying that in an effort to back Oklahoma State. And I just want to remind you that game at Baylor, Oklahoma State won it by nine. Uh, Baylor outgained them by about 80 yards. They had a better yards per pass. They had better yards per carry. They threw two costly interceptions. So again, that doesn't matter as it relates to that game, but if you're trying to use it as kind of a, a, a perfect simulation, if you will, of what we're to see in this game, I think it's, it's very short-sighted and pretty lazy and pretty irrelevant. So the scheduling dynamics that day also favored Oklahoma State. That was the game where Oklahoma State was rested and Baylor was coming off that four-quarter game up in Ames, Iowa. There's nothing about this game that reminds me of Oklahoma State at Baylor. 
So I'm in a big argument with the model on this game. In fact, we can go ahead and show it if you want to, Colin. So the current Vegas number is TCU minus three and a half, which again is probably for TCU, it's home field and a little bit extra baked in. So odds makers are still telling you we slightly lean TCU neutral field, but the model leans TCU only minus two. And I got to tell you, I don't do this often, but I disagree. I love the spot here for TCU, even after the last two weeks. I love the spot. I think this is the first time Oklahoma State gets clipped this year, and I'm going to take TCU to win, and I'm going to take them to cover the number. But not a ton of confidence in that. So here's the but. If I'm wrong, I want to remind you guys, as you look at the odds to win the Big 12, by the way, Texas, the odds on favorite right now to win the Big 12. TCU is second, Oklahoma State's third, Kansas State's fourth. If Oklahoma State does win this, and, and I picked Baylor a couple of weeks ago, so I was wrong there. If they win, do you know what happens next week? What happens next week if Oklahoma State, well, it's going to happen either way, but if they win next week, or if they win, let me rephrase because that sounds horrible. If Oklahoma State wins this week, they go home and they welcome in the Texas Longhorns to Stillwater. Now, either way, that's going to be an incredible environment, great game. But if they're undefeated, and they welcome Texas in there. And let me go ahead and spoil this for you. Texas will be favored up there. And it'll, it'll throw everyone sideways because you'll have a two-loss road team favored over an undefeated home team, top 10 team, whatever. Um, the JP poll will again be validated. If that's the case, you're talking about just a complete and utter circus unfolding in central Oklahoma next week. Very well could have every given Saturday tour implications. Imagine that, an SEC tour like us venturing out to the Big 12. It has happened before. I want to encourage you guys to do something. And a lot of you are watching live, and I appreciate it. Make sure you like the video, because we're almost at 1,000 likes. Uh, I want you to do something for me. As you know, through my last contract negotiation, we were able to get this channel just for us. So this is the Late Kick YouTube channel now. And that's great, so you know exactly where to go if you want to find all the shows and clips and whatnot. There's also a new 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, and there's a lot of good content over there. For example, tomorrow at 3 Eastern, 2 Central, the Preps to Pros unveiling of the 2023 rankings will happen. It's a really good product. It's Cooper Protagonist, Andrew Ivins. I watch the show all the time. I think they do a great job, and it's over on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. It's very easy to find, 24-7 Sports. Also, they will debut a new recruiting show Thursday at 3 Eastern, 2 Central. And I see a lot of scurrying around this building when I'm in here. And there's a lot that those folks are working on over there on the 24-7 sports side of things. Strongly encourage you to subscribe to that channel because that is where there's a lot of investment and there's a lot of energy for a lot of new products. So I'm very thankful that we get this channel. In turn, I ask you guys to support that channel too, 24-7 sports. We're all under the same roof after all. Do you think that Clemson-FSU is a big game? I do. I think it is. But some of you disagree. But you know what? We're going to break it down anyway. Clemson-FSU, Saturday, 7.30 Eastern time on ABC. There's some confusion. In fact, there's a lot of confusion about the spread on this game. Some of you expected Clemson minus 10, and that was just never going to happen. Clemson is a little over a field goal favorite here. Frankly, this has even confused some of our FSU brethren. I was over on Knowles 24-7 earlier today, and there were a lot of fans openly speculating. How are we only a three-and-a-half-point dog? Well, 
you've got the road baked in here. So this is a little bit lower than it would be if they played in Charlotte. But also, there's this do-up situation that Clemson's been in for three weeks now. You saw them against Wake Forest three weeks ago. And they went into overtime, and that was an up performance. They ended up winning the game. Okay, that's one. Then they played NC State and looked great the next week. Up two weeks in a row. They go to Boston College last week and convincingly beat BC. That's three weeks in a row you have gotten up performances from Clemson. Now, here's what history tells you about college football. You rarely get three of those weeks in a row from college teams. You certainly rarely get four of those in a row. What an odds maker's trying to do is stay ahead of that because the odds maker knows there are some very sharp people who love to blindly bet that sort of thing, and they've probably been profitable doing such for a long time. So they were not going to put seven out there either. They put three and a half out there. I think there's some Clemson money coming in later in the week. So if you, if you want FSU, I'd sit around and wait. If you want Clemson, I'd move right now. I'll tell you where we are on this after I explain to you my thinking. So Jordan Travis, quarterback there for FSU, he's number four in terms of quarterbacks with most 20-plus yard plays this season, so the explosive types. And that is greatly assisted by a pretty good ground game. Right now, FSU is number one in the ACC in yards per carry. They're number two in the ACC in rush yards per game. Perfect little yin and yang, one complements the other. You get how that works. Here is the big problem when Clemson comes to town. They bring a total wrecking crew defensively. And, of course, they're number one by a mile in most rushing defense statistics. And you find out, like so many teams have before, it looks good on paper. Like all these stats I just read, it looks good. But all of a sudden, if they cut your yards per carry in half, or, or even down 60 or 70%, then all of a sudden your explosive player rate goes down too, and all of a sudden you can't move the ball through the air because they only have to commit four or sometimes even three to stop the run. Mathematically, that should be impossible, but Clemson does it anyway, and you end up scoreless at the half. And I think that could be in the cards for FSU. I think a lot of people who have watched these two teams play think that. So if this point spread were to validate, it would require Clemson struggling offensively we understand that. Let's move on. And I want you to keep in mind, when we're talking about explosive plays now, yeah, we got Jordan Travis there at fourth. DJ's right behind him at fifth. So both of those guys, in terms of plays of 20 yards or more, have been very comparable this year. Uh, Clemson is scoring, a, well, they're scoring 39.3 points per game. And I'm very interested to see the impact, if any, uh, that, you know, Ja'Kai Douglas, I think Mike Norvell said they're getting him back. And so he's kind of a do-it-all guy for FSU. We'll see. He's the kind of guy where you could look in the stat sheet and he's already got seven touches in the first half. It could be nothing. We'll see. Anything helps at this point. Dynamics and even the model. Scream, low spread, and tight game. So everything about this computer over here that I trust agrees with the Vegas number. I do not buy into it. So let's take a look, just for argument's sake, at what the Vegas number is. It's three and a half. The model has Clemson minus one and a half. So the model is even more bullish on a potential FSU upset than Vegas is. I just think it's wrong. So again, tonight for the umpteenth time, I am going to disagree with the model, and I'm going to take Clemson to win, and I think they're going to cover. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But listen, I tried to ride against them last week. You know, I thought Boston College was in position situationally to catch them in a sleepy spot, and that did not happen. 
And I certainly don't think it's going to be a sleepy spot here. If you beat Clemson, you just got to beat them this Saturday. I don't think FSU's ready to do it. I'm going to say it again. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Like that matters at all. But I'm going to take Clemson to win. I'm going to take Clemson to cover. I mean, situation should call for the upset there. I don't think it's going to happen. Ramen Noodle Express time. And a big paper pop because not only do we have two more sides here, we got a total to add in. So we're on Georgia Southern plus 10.5. I think there's a shot James Madison goes down. Shortest president in history, I was told today. I think that line should be a lot shorter than 10.5. So we got Georgia Southern plus 10.5. We got Western Kentucky minus 6.5. We gave that out Sunday night because I told you the line was going to cross a touchdown. It's now Western Kentucky minus 8. It is imperative that you watch the Sunday show because those numbers we give out, we give out for a reason. Okay, here we go. Brand new numbers tonight. NC State is playing Syracuse this week. We're taking the Wolfpack plus three and a half. I know a lot of you are talking about the quarterback situation. I like the number regardless. So I don't care about the injury situation. The computer, the model, is very, very confident, likes the number regardless. We're taking Fresno State at home against San Jose State plus eight and a half. I think the number inflated a little bit too much. Got some injury situations out there. I think the number inflated a little bit too much. I don't think it should have gone past seven. And here's our total. I was shocked to find Penn State and Michigan in the low 50s instead of the mid to upper 40s, so we're going to take advantage of it. Penn State, Michigan, under 52 and a half. I think that game is a mid-40s game. You know, 27 to 20 or 24, 21, something like that. Remember, we got Penn State covering Michigan winning there, so that's not official. This one is. We're taking the under there. I appreciate you guys being tuned in. Look, I know the Tuesday show tends to go a little bit longer than this, but man, we have been at it for a long time today. Quite frankly, it's a miracle we made it 50 minutes. So, producer Jesse made it happen. Director Colin made it happen. I just, I just stumbled in here at 3 o'clock, and we got the show put together. Appreciate it so much. Thanks to the Savannah Quarterback Club for hosting me last night. I'm going to go sleep for about 17 hours. We'll see you back here Thursday night. Until then, take care and God bless. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.